guys. This is Outliers, and I'm Molly Hawkins. And this is a new podcast that's going to be featuring the lifestyle and culture of action sports. I'm going to be introducing you to extraordinary individuals and taking you to amazing places that you may have seen in the films or um, in the magazines. You might be wondering who I am. Well, I've been working in action sports for a better half of my adult life and been snowboarding for 18 years. And I grew up around all these outerlying sports, such as skateboarding, rollerblading, wakeboarding. Um, but it's it's really the, the lifestyle, the culture, the things that come out of these sports that I fell in love with. And, you know, I pinch myself every morning thinking about uh, the fact that I, I make a living off of collaborating and working with these people that I might have idolized as a kid. Man, this is my favorite time of year. It's when all the buyer's guides start landing. It's when the websites are launching. And not to mention, it's when all the movies are starting to premiere. Something that I was always super passionate about when I was a kid and still really am you know, as those films that I would watch, I would anticipate them coming out every year. And it, they really give me access to a side of the industry that I wanted to be a part of. And we have today professional snowboarder and filmer Jesse Bertner. As well, we have Bryce Phillips, former pro skier, owner of Evo.com. Let's start with Jesse, arguably the hardest working man in snowboarding. He's been a pro snowboarder since 1998. I guess people like to say, someone once said I was the hardest working man in snowboarding, but there's a lot of hard workers out there. Let's just get that right off the beginning. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm Jesse Bertner, uh, owner and operator of Think Thank, along with my lovely wife, Christina Pika Bertner. And uh, this is uh, our 10th year making a snowboard movie as Think Thank. And uh, I've always uh, been into snowboard movies since I was born, it feels like. But really, since I was 11 or 12. Well, let, let's back up a little bit. Um, tell me about how you got into snowboarding. Uh, I think I just, like a lot of people my age, we found a place in snowboarding that uh, wasn't available to us in maybe team sports or uh, in any other sort of really organized activity. And... Uh, Kind of like skateboarding, but I grew up in Alaska, and so there was snow everywhere. So I got into snowboarding first and then skateboarding. But it was a place where as soon as you put that snowboard on, you were part of an exclusive group. And if you saw another snowboarder, you were automatically homies. And that was the time in the late 80s, early 90s when snowboarding first started blowing up, and that's when I started. And uh, I don't know, it was just uh, an addictive sort of... It was nice to have a, something I knew I wanted to do. And it was uh, it was an amazing outlet for self expression. So, and how did that dovetail into a professional career for you? Well, it was a very long dovetail. <laughs> 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 I didn't okay. I didn't cue the birds right off the bat, <laughs> so to speak. But uh, no, it was. Uh, I think I just I. I think I immediately wanted to be a professional because right when I started, I got my first magazine. And I saw that there was people doing this on this other level. And I was just like, immediately, it was like, that's me. I want to do that. And I, that's kind of how I, I couldn't even turn my snowboard before I was trying tricks and looking at pictures in magazines. I didn't even learn to turn for a few months because I never went to a ski area. I just went out in my yard and jumped around on little jumps and stuff. And uh, I lived in the mountains, so my yard was pretty sweet. But... uh Still, it was just front yard boarding, 
And, uh, which is funny because that's still what I'm doing, front yard boarding. And, and did you watch films when you were a kid and did that help inspire, inspire your tricks? And Oh, absolutely. I mean, it was almost as much about the movies as it was about the act of snowboarding for me. I was always a media centric person. Like I, like I said, I got a magazine right off the bat. I got a movie. Well, we used to have to rent, you know, a, a ski movie and hope for those, you know, that little 45 seconds in the middle there where someone says like, and now these crazy snowboarders are going to get wacky, you know, <laughs> or something. And you're like, here it comes, the snowboarding. <laughs> but, you know, then really quickly movies started coming out and MacDog and, you know, uh, Fall Line Films, Critical Condition was my first movie that I owned. And to, you know, anyone who knows... And all you guys know when you watch them, when you when you're a kid and you get that thing that you've been looking for, we would just watch it, you know, religiously. So we also have Bryce Phillips here in the studio today, former pro skier, owner and CEO of Evo.com, restaurateur, friend, new father. Um, tell me a little about yourself. How'd you get into skiing? Yeah, I. Uh Got into skiing when I was in grade school. My uncle Jack took me to ski uh, Mount Ashland, so it's a little ski hill a couple hours from where I grew up. And uh, given that skiing isn't exactly an inexpensive sport, uh, I was fortunate enough to have you know an uncle that kind of paid my way for my first few times. But that's all it took, because once I went, I became immediately addicted and absolutely would never cross-country ski or do any other boring stuff with my family ever again. Um, but it was pretty cool, because... You know, he planted the seed, and and from there, you know, kind of everything that I do and have done um, uh, over the years is a result of that. You know, from from my career and what I do on the work end of things to my wife and family to everything in between. So it's really been a pretty fun journey. I've lived and traveled all over the world, and uh, it's all been a result of getting introduced to skiing at an early age. Tell me about your your pro skiing career and how that turned into your eventual career of owning one of the world's finest e-commerce retailers? Um, well, <laughs> first of all, thanks. Um, one of the world's finest, that's a big uh, compliment. But I, um, yeah, I, uh, it was kind of was never scripted or planned, and I didn't know, I don't think right away, that I actually wanted to ski professionally, but uh, I loved it so much and started just kind of pushing it kind of from a just 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 you know skiing around with you know really good athletes and whatnot i moved to whistler when i was 18 so after doing a K, an internship at k2 skis i was hooked up up there to move i had no idea like where i was going to live or who i was going to live with or who i was going to ski with but i figured it out and shortly after being there i kind of entered my first contest and i loved jumping off of stuff and whatnot and uh it went well and uh the uh, team manager at, um, by, uh, of k2 at the time was actually there watching so i got my first skis and then kind of started doing more of the competition you know, side of things, filming, shooting with magazines, you know, all that stuff. So it was neat just because really in the end of the day, you know, the skiing side, you know, really opened up doors to do and see things that I would have never imagined. And, and a lot of my good friends today were a result of, of, uh, you know, the skiing career. Okay. So let's open it up a little bit. Um, I guess it, the films played a big role for me, you know, in developing my, you know, as a snowboarder and, you know, eventually wanting to become a part of the industry and work on the marketing side. And um, uh, so I guess uh, from each of your guys' perspective, you know, how how do you see 
the ski and snowboard films, action sports films, playing a role in the industry, helping grow participation, you know, maybe um, telling stories that wouldn't otherwise be told, you know, taking people to far off places that they maybe don't have access to. Well, all of the above. I mean, it's really like a self-generating cycle now. It's like you create the movies to, to generate hype, to make more movies and it just builds and uh, everything about it, you know, like showcasing new tricks, showcasing new riders or new skiers, or I guess you say riders, showcasing new riders, new tricks, places that you can enjoy what we love, you know, just however it is you want to do it, you know, you show it in the movie and it becomes real to that kid sitting in the theater or at his house or on the computer or whatever, all of a sudden, you gave them the green light to go after their passion and uh and that just spurs progression because you know you do a quadruple backflip or something you know it was impossible yesterday as soon as you do it it's possible 100 other people are going to do it and that's progression you know and even if it's not just a quadruple backflip it could be something as simple as a new way of turning and coming down a mountain or a new new terrain like who first you know rode a super steep line like a scott schmidt kind of glenn plake or even earlier era skier right. you know and someone seeing like snow barely sticks to that but there's a skier on it right that is possible skills progression is a huge yeah and then player. as soon as they saw it they wanted to do it and it's just a mental mental you know and that's it's doing that big time for our sports. Bryce, what do you think from the retail perspective? Um, well, I think I, I think it all ends up tying together kind of as Jesse said. It's, uh, you know, ski, ski and snowboard films are massively aspirational. So they're, whether you're an athlete and you're trying to figure out how to like up your game to, you know, a kid who's just getting into it to someone in the industry to everybody in between. So it's, you know, and that's not just about like how, how what you can do on skis or on a snowboard, but where you go and kind of the places you see. I mean, for, for as it relates to retail, at least with, with what we're doing right now, we're taking the people to Japan. So skiers and snowboarders who have seen the movies, seen the magazines and have dreamt of going to Japan, we're opening up a door so they can like walk through and go with us. Um, so I guess that would be one way in which we've actually, you know, kind of layered something different into retail that really is based on kind of this like aspirational, like I'd love to go there too, by seeing the movies and the professionals and, and the, and the magazines and whatnot. So, um, of course, when I say also it's uh, kind of all linked together, you also think about the equipment and kind of the way people are pushing it and the way that all evolves. I mean, film absolutely drives so much of that. Um, and, and like Jesse said, the quadruple backflip, suddenly it's possible and hundred kids are doing it. Well, that also is, um, you know, part of what's really driven kind of the, the product and design and everything that we sell, you know, at Evo. And it's the culture too. Mm. It's driving the culture almost, almost exclusively at Think some films. points. I mean, not all the time, but it, but it has had so much power, especially inside snowboarding that it almost it's called it's so important culturally it like is a huge percentage of what we consider to be culture as snowboarders was there a film that really uh, embodies culture or community that really has influenced you or there's one for every year <laughs> but i mean mac dog early mac dog i guess i would if i had to pick one it would be upping the ante yep 
and then then a little bit further on subject hawkinson and volcom's the garden and those are still looked at today as uh kind of cultural watershed moments for snowboarding still kind of held up high I'd, I'd have to say robot food was one of my exactly you know a, a lot of people changer. say after bang yeah. i would say transcendence from yeah. from absinthe and uh sure. you know and then you would have to put uh you would have to put that's it that's all oh yeah and hopefully you know a lot of us others have inspired along the way you know uh so uh, since you guys have both kind of been around it for a while, um, have you noticed any changes in the landscape of um, film distribution, um, just the, the nature of the films and everything? Well, no. I mean, I've actually had my head buried. And <laughs> I've been living in a cave. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're kind of a one-man band. You guys, it's you and Christina that are running the show over there, huh? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, it's Christina and I and yeah. uh, our filmers. And a big group of people that help out, huge group of people. Okay. But we're at the core of it. Got it. But yeah, no, I mean, to to not notice what's been happening to ski and snowboard films would be to not notice anything because it's just like every communication, every facet of communication right now, it's been completely turned upside down, more or less. We had a model that people got complacent with, which was hard copy. You know, DVD, DVDs, yeah. okay. and uh, it's a brave new world, you know? So what do you see happening now? Yeah, I mean, I think that people's attention spans are a bit shorter, and they're also expecting kind of the extraordinary. I think, you know, I, I've, um, y you think even a few years back and kind of the way you used to receive or kind of be able to kind of get an insight into what was happening in the way of film or video and now, I mean, in, just in very short time, it's changed dramatically. So the the latest, greatest, you know, kind of most, I think, up-and-coming filmmaker is just like, man, they're in front of you in a second. And then, of course, the, the latest, greatest athlete and, you know, everything that relates to anything motion, you're going to see really quickly. And mm -hmm. uh, and also, there's because of the fact that it can be shared so easily, mm -hmm. um, the amount of exposure that people can get if they weren't already locked into certain kinds of distribution is mm -hmm. completely changed. So before, you may be Warren Miller and Mac Dog, and now it's like, well, watch out, because a young kid that just graduated film, you know, film, film school is coming out. And if they put something out, I mean, like just in ski side alone, Sherpa Cinema in the last two years has totally kind of upended, nowhere, yeah. you know, some of the bigger guys just because of what they're yeah. doing is so extraordinary. So it's just amazing how quickly content is distributed and then how um, and then also I think that 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 uh, in an exponential way drives that progression um, just because you are seeing it so quickly and people that may not have had, you know, a camera pointed at them a few years ago. Next thing you know, they've got one at them, and they are exposed like really, really, um, in a way they never would have before. So the big question is: DVD dead? Uh, I don't. I don't know. We're like kind of on a pendulum. Mm -hmm. I feel like so we're swinging pretty far over into the like uh, digital. I mean, everything's going to be digital, but swinging over to the just blow it out on the internet like spaz fest. Mm -hmm. But I still think <laughs> that there's something to do with the distribution that we haven't quite figured out yet that is going to be more of a happy medium where people still want something tangible but more or less i mean records aren't dead so true dvd yeah. or blu-ray is literally the best way the last physical media for for visual probably you know 
And so it's probably not going to die because mm-hmm. there's still going to be those people that want it. But well, yeah, I, I agree with that really quick. I mean, on the print side, it's the same thing. As everybody's like, print's dead. Well, a good print's not dead. Okay. And uh, the pendulum... It's all, and, and I guess I would also relate it to retail. It's like, it's all going to be internet. It's like, well, no, if you can create an extraordinary experience, whether right. it be in a Blu-ray you know, video or, a, um, or an amazing print piece or in a physical store, yeah. those, are, those are timeless. And so it's just a matter of kind of where it lands. But I think, I think Jesse's right. It's going to land somewhere in the middle, and you'll, have, you'll still have you know, physical mediums to deliver content by. Well, I see what Think Tank's doing, what you guys are doing. You kind of created something that's a little more special that stands out on the shelf. You create a little added value for your customers. So you give them something that could be a little more special than just a DVD. Yeah, and that's kind of part of our like conversation with our customers, with our viewers. It's sort of a almost like a joke. You know, we made a record-sized DVD packaging. That's so funny. we're just kind of like, it's kind of a nod to the fact that we're going the way of the record as far as that goes. But it also is something that it's pretty funny. you, you want to hang on your wall and it, it, it's very much unique, you know? Yep. So really what it's all about nowadays, the distribution model is changing so much, but it's, it's just all about getting the movie out there and having it viewed the way we want it to be viewed, like putting it up on enough of a pedestal that people don't think it's trash. If you just give it away, they're just going to be like, another internet video, another internet video. But, you know, if you put it at a, at a premium, it, it means that you value what you've done. The work that we've put in and all the writers have put in is worth a little something. And then, you know, just finding that happy medium there is what we're trying to do. Well, what films, speaking of the films, what are you guys excited about, of, of course, other than your film? What's out there? What should should everybody? So know yeah, I would. I mean, Into the Mind is a, it's Sherpa Cinema. These guys are out of Canada, um, but you just it's like they're the this the production quality to the footage, to the athletes, they all everything in between is unbelievable. It, kind of the bar they've just recently set. Um, there's a totally different spin or take on. Um, I think ski films and with Sweetgrass Productions uh, again, young, up and coming, kind of came out of film school in Colorado and started just doing it their way. Um, there's the classics like TGR and MSP and poor boys and they're all doing great stuff. So I wouldn't want to kind of discount that, but it's definitely uh, pretty exciting to see some of the new guys come up and do something that is definitely differentiated when you think about kind of what all is out there. Those two in particular, you know, come up. How about on the snowboard side? Uh, um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, on the snowboard side of things, there's everything has been raised up to a level that almost all of it is amazing snowboarding. So for me, it comes down to the, the messaging behind it, the story of the riders themselves. I like these little crews that are coming up a lot more uh, low budget and just kind of real grassroots little inspirational posses just get together and decide to make a movie and there's a few of those that are really rad to watch and they've been really exciting like underdogs is a group of kids that are really cool and some amazing snowboarders and uh good art direction and they had a friend this year pass away in a car wreck up at mount hood meadows and actually he used to work at evo yeah drake yeah drake and uh they named they just they were really, you know, he's a great friend of theirs, and they 
they decided to make a movie for Drake, so their movie is called DAE, Drake Aaron Edwards. And it's a lot of these guys' first ever video parts, and they're all on the level that they need to be seen. This is the year. Last year, I don't know if they needed to be seen. This year, they needed to be seen. They came around the remembrance of their friend, and uh, they kept that. You can really see that in their snowboarding, and it's just a really cool thing, you know? On that note, I guess if there's any kids out there who are interested in producing films or even becoming writers or getting seen in films, I mean, do you guys have any advice for for them? I'd say um, well, a couple things. One is do it because you love it. I mean, it's so easy to get wrapped up in it. And I'd, I'd even like critique myself at a certain point in time where you're like hungrier about kind of making it as a pro skier rather than like doing it because you totally loved it. And I you know, and have been into it from the beginning because of that. And so if you kind of lose yourself for a second, you know, you got to definitely check it. I think that I've seen other people do it and it's cool to be hungry and passionate about like achieving something professionally. Um, but if you're skiing and snowboarding, you're clearly not doing it to become wealthy and uh, you shouldn't be, you should be doing it because you really love the sport. The other thing too, is that, um, you know, the people push it so, so hard and a lot of people passed away in the last few years. So it's easier to say now as I've kind of moved past it a bit, but, but I started the last couple of years, definitely questioning a little bit more as to like what risks, you know, I was willing to take because it has very real implications, not just on yourself, but on your family and friends and everything. So seeing and having a lot of close friends pass away just in the last few years, um, it definitely kind of started to shape the way I looked at it. And I think that if you're deeply immersed and really trying to push it and like, kind of build that career it's another kind of reason to check yourself and really think about a am i love it am i in it for the right reasons do i still am i still passionate about going out and writing and b you know does that risk you know at what at what line you know where do you draw the line and at what level are you willing to kind of accept some of the consequences yeah that's like bryce is absolutely right with that and that's actually like kind of the germination for think tank was uh when I hit my head uh, filming and I had a subdermal hematoma in my brain and I had to re-evaluate everything I was doing up to that point and where I was going and I w- and what I wanted to do was kind of create a new little area where you wouldn't necessarily have to kill yourself to get a video part or to make it as a pro. And so that's where we started diving inwards micro instead of macro looking for smaller things to ride and smaller tricks and quicker movements that are more technical and very difficult but also safe you know for the most part you're going to get a banged up elbow and knee but you're not going to die you know i i I stopped doing things where i could die that year you know (laughs) well it is wild too and that's the thing that's a theme i think across all the sports is there's so many different spins on how to participate. I mean, you see what Jesse does with Think Think. You see what guys do in just big AK, big mountain films and like everything. There's just so many variations of it, which is neat because of creativity. I mean, some of these kids coming out of like Norway and places where they don't have them. I mean, I've seen things recently that you would have never imagined, but people's creativity is definitely coming through in all kinds of different um, you know, film and, you know, and kind of magazine articles. And it's, it's pretty neat to see because then that spawns a whole another generation of 
kind of new way of, you know, a new way of looking at those sports. Yeah. I mean, I guess from a marketing standpoint, too, I say, hey, go pick up a camera, go out there and shoot. And, uh, you know, the, you have tools at your disposal. Cameras are fairly inexpensive these days. And you have YouTube, you have Vimeo, you have Facebook. Instagram now allows video. So it's just, uh, I mean, with all the things that you guys mentioned in mind, I feel like there's definitely a world of opportunity, you know, for the right reasons to get into it. And Nothing but opportunity. Thanks again, you guys, for coming down. Um, Jesse Bertner of Think Think Films, Bryce Phillips of Evo.com. Um, I think, Jesse, you have um, a film premiere and a tour coming up. Yeah, yeah. We uh, have our big Seattle party, the 10-year Think Think party, premiering uh, Think Think is Brain Dead and Having a Heart Attack, our 10th video <laughs> at the uh, Guild 45th Thursday night. And then where is the rest of the tour going to take you guys this year? Uh, really all over the place from here to France and, uh, back. So awesome. Pretty much worldwide. And Bryce, it's a big season for you guys too. I, I think the, all the winter gear is landing. Yeah, we have a lot going on. I mean, we are right in the, now in the process of kind of doing the fundraising and building of a new skate park here in Seattle underneath the that's store. Incredible. So that's huge. We're trying to open that in October. Um, yeah, we opened a new store last October, but have a, a lot of kind of new things in our back pocket as far as things we're going to unleash this year on the seattle market in our store and then obviously on the site as well awesome well thanks again you guys thanks for listening to outliers this was our first episode we are going to be back here next week talking more about the lifestyle and culture of action sports have a good one you guys you